Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Top Sport 2. Hello and welcome to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sports 2. I'm John Norman and for the next two hours, myself and Goffey will be looking back at the week in cricket. First up, England. And a Joss Butler cameo century that proved to be the difference on the day between the two sides. Standing deep in the crease. He's got one. They're going to come back for two. A magnificent performance from Joss Butler. He leaps to the sky. We'll be speaking to Daily Mirror journalist Dean Wilson and finding out why it is a man as supremely talented as Joss Butler hasn't made it at test level. One man missing from the ODI side is, of course, Ben Stokes. Either, you know, you let him play for the past two or three months or you continue with the policy of the effective suspension. So it seems illogical to change course and change path at this point. And I think most people, certainly I, would find it hard to square the two positions. Michael Atherton speaking there, but I think most people will be rejoicing the fact that Stokes is returning to the England side next month. And fellow Durham man Steve Harmison will tell us who will have to make way. World number one test side India humbled in a classic test series with the number two side South Africa. That's him. The finger will go up. Lungengiti once again. Coley, the big fish. Doesn't get better for Ngidi on debut. But why can't anyone win away anymore? Former South African international Robbie Peterson would tell us why. And it's going to be England versus Australia in the Under-19 World Cup as well this week. We're going to cross down under to speak to Rob Key about that and also about whether there is such a thing as a spirit of cricket. And talking about the under-19s, Surrey and Auckland Aces star Sam Curran will be with us to explain just how a 19-year-old can be an overseas pro. 
Plus, Lizzie Ammon from The Times will talk to us about yet another proposed shake-up of the county championship. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. So then, Goffey, uh, before we get on to the cricket, how was the football at the weekend? Because, of course, uh, it's going to be Barnsley-Fulham next weekend. Oh, dear. Um, so, uh, so Fulham won 6-0 this weekend. How did Barnsley do? Uh, they lost, uh, mate, uh, quite comfortable, 3-1, but it was closer than that, actually. Second half, Barnsley had more and more, more and more chances, but just couldn't put the ball in. But let me just tell you one player for Aston Villa, who is absolutely cruising it in that division, John Terry. Oh, my word. What a player. Um, I, I mean, I've watched him when he played for Chelsea at the top, top end. I've now seen him playing for Aston Villa in the championship, and he's unbelievable. Well, Fulham played Aston Villa earlier this season, and we lost 2-1. And our, as you can imagine, Fulham and Chelsea, uh, the Fulham fans were giving John Terry absolute pelters for about half an hour. And then guess what happened? Yes, John Terry scored and ran up the pitch and gave it back. So, uh, yes. Well, uh, we shall see, mate. We'll uh, we'll, we'll see uh, how things go next weekend. But, uh, yeah, feeling pretty good this weekend because Fulham won 6-0. My America football team on Talk Sport uh, won against the Minnesota Vikings. Philadelphia Eagles through to the Super Bowl. And, of course, England... Beat Australia 3-0 in the ODIs. We've, uh, we've had two of the games since we were last together. So uh, shall we take a look back at uh, some of the action? And Well, you, you've got to start with Joss Butler, don't you? I mean, the guy, he, he's... I think I heard one statistic that he scored his century from 83 balls or something. And that's the slowest century he's had for England. And and it wasn't even on one of those pitches, which is a plus four hundred pitch. That was a a two paced pitch. Um, oh, I, I mean, where do you start and where do you end? But uh, quite brilliant. Yeah, fantastic player, and like like most of them uh, in this England side, which <clears throat> we could go into it a little bit. But that's one part of it where I'm a little bit concerned. We're almost too good <laughs> with a World Cup. <laughs> uh, still a while away because. What I mean by that is that players who are just on the outside, how are they going to get into it? It's almost like that's our team and no one else is going to get in it, really, Mm. if we're going to be honest. So it's a bit of a concern. With Australia, when you look at their team, I reckon there were seven who played in their second one-day international who weren't going to play um, in their first World Cup match. And looking at their their team um, the other day, you've probably got probably three or four who ain't going to play in their first uh, game come the World Cup. There's so many changes they can make. And we're almost... That's that's it. We're done. We've got our team. We've got Stokes to come in. How he gets (laughs) in is a different matter. But he's in. And that's it. It it was... uh, You're absolutely right. What, um, What did impress me, though, was that, you know... We were very disappointed with what happened to the Champions Trophy, weren't we? Um, England were knocked out against Pakistan in Cardiff on a pitch which actually has some similarities to the one we saw at the SCG, I thought. It it was a bit tacky, a bit two-paced. And England were dealt a blow, of course, with Liam Plunkett uh, hobbling out after a couple of overs. So, you know, Joe Root had to to bowl more overs than 
would have been hoped for. That probably uh, helped us. The... That probably helped us because well, actually bowling on that pitch, he'd had a little bit of spin. You see, Moin Ali were yeah. bowling and there was a little bit of turn there. Rashid does bowling, there was a little bit of turn there. And we're just better than Australia. It's a bit similar to the Test Series, John, really, if, yeah. you're going to be, if we're going to be honest about it. Australia are experimenting. They're resting their bowlers. They're looking after them uh, because they've got a similar lineup in one day to, to Test Cricket in the bowling side of it. We've got a totally different one, so it doesn't really affect us. Um, and, and it's interesting to see, isn't it? You can see Steve Smith is getting really frustrated because he doesn't like losing, and he's got a team. Mm. He knows it's not his best team. Yeah, and they just keep getting beat from any situation. Yeah. Now that's a huge positive for England. Um, I know Morgan's getting a lot of praise for his captaincy, and he is—he's a very experienced captain now in ODI cricket. He knows what he's doing. Now the only thing you could think about him getting in is, but he's probably Stokes comes in for Morgan. But <laughs> can you drop? Can you drop someone who's not, getting loads of praise for his it? captaincy? Yeah. I, I can't see that. I think Bairstow's probably going to be the man. Yeah. I think that. I think in all likelihood he'll be the man to go, uh, and then Hales will move back up the order, yeah. and they're all shift up one, and then Stokes will slot in. But you know what a problem to have. Here's a here's a question for you though, Steve Smith. Right, <coughs> I've been watching these ODIs and reporting on them. Of course, the talk sport. How can a player look immortal in Test matches, and then suddenly this guy can't time a cricket ball? And I cannot work out. I can't work out what's going on, and I don't think he can. No, it is. It is weird, isn't it? Uh, I mean, in the one day in the test matches, though, let's be honest, the way he played, it was very much as though he was patience was a key to his play, mm. and he waited yeah, to the ball true. to him. Yeah. And I think in a one day game, you can be boring he's, to he's... him. Yeah, you can be boring you know, to him. You can bowl point. to a plan. You can bowl to a plan to him, and he's not because of his technique and the way he plays. He needs the ball. He needs the ball at the stumps. And um, I think England have bowled really, really well to him. And, it, and he's a totally different cricketer in one day. As he's not as effective. I've always thought that anyway. I've always been surprised when he goes for the fee he goes for in T20 cricket. Because there's a lot better cricketers out there in that form of the game than, than Smith. You're right, actually, because he was out pushing at one to Rashid in the first uh, first match. I think Ali might have got him in the second one. Um yeah, that's a, it's a good shout. A very good shout. Um, England, though, let's have a look at uh, at the side because there's been a lot of talk about, hey, these players should be in the test squad. But there is, you know, we could go through some of the players in a second, but there is a lesson to learn here because if you look at the variety of that uh, ODI attack, and I, I'm still not totally sold on Chris Wokes opening the bowling, but put that to a side for a second. But you've got points of difference, haven't you? You've got the leggy. In Rashid, you've got an off spinner in Ali, you've got a back of a length banging in Merchant in Plunkett, you've got a bowler in Wood who can, you know, get the ball down the uh, down the other end and you know get the batsman hopping, and then you've got Wokes who, okay, not so much with the new ball, but certainly towards the end of the over, end of the uh, innings, a great death bowler. And when you look at the the mentality around that bowling attack, um, and then you throw Stokes in there, of course. And you just think to yourself, well, that, that ticks all the boxes. Why haven't 
you approach the test side with a, a similar mindset. It's it's almost baffling. I, I agree, and I heard Michael Vaughan come out and say, but uh, it's a totally different game. You can't get carried away with these one-day players. Well, we've had so many who have been picked in the past on, on that. Australia, let's remember, Warner had not played. When he got the opportunity to play um, a test match, it was from his one-day uh, form, his one-day cricket. So he yep, got in yep. that way. Finch were the same. But I think we have got players who could play test cricket. I think Hales, um, the way I put it, I think, um, on, on TalkSport last week was, if Roy would have opened instead of Stoneman, would he have not got as many runs? If Hales yeah. would have batted at three, would he have nearly got as many runs as Vince? You know what I mean? I think I think we're looking too much past Morgan. Morgan got given an opportunity at test cricket and he, did, he looked a little bit out of sorts, didn't he, at that, mm. at that uh, level of the game. But we brought Milan in after one-day games. Uh, to the test yeah. and he looks uh, the real deal um, I think Roy could play test cricket absolutely the issue we have the issue we do have is that all these players now want to play in tournaments around the world T20 tournaments around the world and they're not playing enough red ball cricket my biggest criticism of Butler and I've done it many times and I'm a massive fan of him and this is the only reason I'm criticising for it he's not interested in playing with a red ball last few years Instead of playing for Lancashire with a red ball, what's he done? Gone to the IPL. Now, I've said it should have been spread around. He's played in every one and been given permission to play in every one. Now and again, ECB, because he's centrally contracted, just say to him, OK, mate, we need you to play red ball cricket and get some out because you've got a chance. If Bairstow goes down, you're the next in. You're going to be our keeper, bat at seven, keeper. But he, at, the, at that time, he's playing in the IPL. I mean, what's that about? He's getting See, no red ball a- experience. This is a, a massive problem, and it, it could be the answer as well. You know, we're talking about um, what to do about the England Test side and the batting. Will you move Bairstow up to up to four, or, and put Root at three, or Bairstow at five, whatever? You, surely there is a, p- a place for Butler in that side. But yeah. of course, as you say, he's played very little red ball cricket, which does fly in the face of. I remember going to uh, to listen to him talk in about 2016, I think. You know, he spoke and does speak so eloquently. You know, he's got a real brain on his uh, on him. And I was listening to him. He was talking about being the best cricketer, uh, test player he could possibly be and, you know, really aiming um, to, to do what Gilchrist did. I disagree. Did. Right, let, let's just put it this way. What do you think about me if the ECB went up to him and said, listen... Um, Mate, um, you've had three years of the IPL now. You've earned over a million pound each time. We'd love you just to try and play red ball cricket, start the season when the ball's seeming around and see how you go. You know what I mean? He might improve you as a cricketer. Just miss one year. See, see how it goes. You might get into the test side. I, I don't see no. that from him. I, I, I feel as though he, he just doesn't want to miss out on the IPL. He puts his name down as soon as it comes up. He goes around other tournaments around the world. Um, and it's one of the issues we've got now if you look at the opposite Roy Roy didn't go to the IPL pulled out of it so he could play red ball cricket with Surrey at the start of the season because he knew he had a chance of playing test cricket now that's somebody who's desperate to play now unfortunately Mm. now he's probably thinking well do I need to play test cricket now IPL's coming back up he's scoring hundreds at international level he's probably going to go for up a lot of money in the IPL this year he's probably thinking now I don't really need test cricket he might have got to that point now I've, I've no idea I've no idea I don't, I'm don't. i not the individual so I don't know how they're thinking but it, it's how it comes across you know where I'm coming from and yeah, these players yeah. are all well, talented they all could play test cricket but it, it's how much they want it as an individual 
Uh, and they can't look at the captain, you know, for inspiration because he's, he wants into the IPL Well, he never well. plays for his county. He never plays for Middlesex. It's only bloke oh, I no. know who doesn't, play, who doesn't play test cricket and he gets rested more than any other player. No, I'm talking about his, t- his test captain, Joe Root. You know what we were talking about last week? No, I'm talking about you know, Morgan at Middlesex. I know he, you he, are. Never, he never plays for he never plays for Middlesex. Never mind uh, England. Yeah, I saw a story today. We've got to break for it, but um, before we do, uh, so Australia have named their side right for South Africa, okay? Mm. And they've called up Richardson, right? Yeah, Richardson. He's he's 21. Okay, he's played five first class matches. But he took 17 wickets in four Sheffield Shield matches for Western Australia this yeah, he's year, quick. right? He's quick. Yep. So, do you know how uh, how he got his call up? Because he he uh, bowled against Steve Smith in the Sheffield Shield, and Steve Smith batted against him, liked what he saw, thought this guy's got something, and now this guy is going to South Africa, and that is why Joe Root should be playing for Yorkshire and not playing in the IPL. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2 with me, John Norman, and the main man, Darren Goff. Uh, Let's head out to Australia, uh, where Dean Wilson from the Daily Mirror... Uh, is uh, waiting to join us. Uh, hopefully you haven't uh, gotten any visa problems this time, Dino, because you've been in Australia for uh, the best part of two months, three months maybe, and uh, enjoying what you're seeing, I'm guessing, after uh, Owen Morgan described that uh, win as the best uh, in under his tenure as captain the last two years. You must have seen pretty much every single one of those games. So do you agree? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do agree, and, and, and you're right, John. I, I've been here. Uh, long enough, to, I think, to qualify for Australian citizenship. So uh, I'm looking to take a, an Aussie passport for my red ball cricket and and uh, keep an English one for my uh, for my white ball cricket because it's uh, it's pretty special stuff from this team. What's impressed um, you the the most, Dean? I mean, when you when you look at the way they've played England, what what has it, is it the ruthlessness? They get a sniff, a chance in a game, and they take it. The thing about this team, actually, at the moment, is is the way in which they've actually grown and matured um, you know when Owen Morgan kind of took over properly after the last World Cup I know he was captain of the last World Cup but when, when he, it was his team to really develop with Trevor Bayliss you know he, he made the point that he wanted this team just to, to play with a lot of freedom um, to go out there and just you know see where the limits were you know just just go out there and, and do what you could smash it everywhere and don't worry about the results and, uh, and what has impressed me most is that after going through that period of, of just sort of you know really fearless cricket what we're seeing now is a team that have actually got some nous and some maturity about them so it's not just about smashing it everywhere which they can do quite happily but they're able to actually judge situations uh, play uh, according to uh, different surfaces uh, different um, conditions uh, you know and, and at times you know we had Australia playing yesterday with their three key fast bowlers from the Ashes Josh Hazelwood Mitchell Stark and Pat Cummings that's a really top bowling attack in any format of the game and, and the way England were able to adjust uh, you know play within themselves a little bit to make sure that they got themselves towards a decent total and then obviously accelerate 
with Joss and Chris Wokes thereafter. I, I was honestly, I was so impressed with with that performance, and uh, yeah, I, I wholly agree with with Owen and uh, and Joss thereafter, who said that, you know that was the best that we've seen from this group. It, it was a fantastic performance. Uh, let's hear from Owen Morgan, the captain, saying uh, just how lucky he is as a captain to have Joss Butler in the team. Yeah, uh, of course. You know, uh, all all the very best teams, you know, need their superstars. Um, you know, you want to have a team that's kind of you know greater than the sum of its parts. And you, you know, you can't win a cricket match, you know, with with one or two players. You need everyone to kind of chip in. But you know, the very best teams, you know, the World Cup winners, uh, Sri Lanka, Australia. India, you know, they've all had their really it's kind of gun players, they're, they're superstars that can do things that no one else can do. And, and, and in this England team, you know, Joss Butler is, is certainly one of those. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd add Ben Stokes to it whenever he comes back as well. And, and you need those kind of guys who can just take the the, the good and turn it into to exceptional, the very good and turn it into exceptional. Uh, and I just think, yeah, uh, they're lucky to have Joss Butler around at the moment, but um, you know, it's, it's Joss Butler plus others that make uh, that make this team uh, as good as it is. Uh, Goffey was uh, is of the opinion that with the World Cup fifteen months away or, or whatever it is, uh, is there a danger that uh, England are peaking too soon? Uh, do, you know, do you know what? I think that's a very uh, English way of looking at it. A very kind of uh, you know worrying about you know where there might be a problem or two. I, I don't think that at all. I think that if England really want to win this World Cup, you know, in 18 months' time, whatever, 15 months' time, uh, they need to go in there, you know, as one of the top two teams in the world, hopefully as, as, the, as the top team in the world. Uh, and then they need to get there by continuing to play this way, continuing to win series, win matches. They Obviously, they've got Australia back at home in the summer. They play against India. Then they go to Sri Lanka and the West Indies over next winter, and and they need to be winning all those series uh, and going into the World Cup with with total confidence in what they can do. And uh, yeah, it's great to see at the moment the kind of standards they're setting. That they might have a blip or two, you know, over the next year or so. But uh, I, I don't think they're peaking too early at all. I want to see England go to that World Cup as the number one ranked team, beating everyone that comes in their in their path and. And, and showing how dominant they are at home. So, uh, yeah, I think they're on, right on course at the moment, but still uh, they, they've, they've got things that they can they can work on and, and improve on as well. Dean, where do you stand on uh, some of these one-day players possibly getting a run out in the test side? I can see um, a few of them could actually probably play it and play quite comfortably. I know Michael Vaughan's against it, thinks it's two totally different games. But I think you can adapt, and um, I think we've got some very, very good players who are just not playing because of the one-day tournaments around the world. Just not playing enough red ball cricket. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very interesting situation. I mean, you know, in in years gone by, we had a lot of Test match cricketers, a lot of red ball cricketers, uh, who then you know were picked in, in the one-day game, and you know probably you know weren't quite suited to it. I think that there are a number of players that are you'd call them specialists you'd say that they were were stronger in the white ball format and I think it's right that England kind of keep keep them separate you know the very best players uh, you know that, that we've got like Joe Root Ben Stokes um, you know these guys are, are going to be capable of playing more than one format but 
I do think that the, that the games are are different. Uh, you know, I, I look at um, the, the, as I mentioned the, the Australian attack. You know, Hazelwood start and Cummins uh, bowling in the one day game um, at, at Sydney yesterday, and uh, you know they were getting hit around the ground. You know, someone like Chris Wokes, who's got fifty, not out and batted with such freedom and and, and kind of verve and skill. And yet he played in the test matches and was peppered from, you know, here to kingdom come by those same bowlers. You know, it was a different game. It was a different ball. It was a different mindset. You know, you, you can't just bowl one short ball to each batsman per over. You know, that they were testing out the middle of the pitch and, and, and the rib cage and the head of, of, of the England uh, batsman. And I just think that the game, the, the two games, you know, the, the, uh, the white ball games and the red ball games are markedly different. So I don't think that someone like Alex Hales, who has had a go, or Jason Roy, um, necessarily is going to become a, or necessarily going to be a great Test match player if you throw them in now. They, they might, you know, Jason Roy. I'm not saying Jason Roy can't play Test cricket; he might have a chance. But I don't think that you're going to see Jason Roy scoring 180 uh, and playing with the kind of freedom that he did uh, in Melbourne, you know, in the Test match team. So uh, they are they are different games, definitely. Josh Butler, of course, has played some uh, red ball cricket to go with the white ball stuff. Let's hear from him. He was uh, speaking after that match winning 100, uh, saying his confidence grew as the innings progressed. The way the, the game unfolded, it was, you know, just sort of thinking my way through it and, and, you know, really trying to back it up for those last few um, overs. So I think as well, if you, I can get to that stage, having face balls, you can really do some damage. Uh, I remember reading an article by Joss Butler, intelligent guy though he is, about two years ago, Dino, and he mentioned the word mentality four times in one article. And I sometimes think with Joss that he, he almost overthinks things. And when he's at his absolute best, it's when he's he's just going for it and he's uh, he's just living in the moment. Would you Would you agree? Do you know what? I, I think he's probably changed a little bit, actually. I, I, I would certainly have agreed with that. Uh, a few years ago when you know it was all about instinct for him you know he's a wonderfully talented uh, athlete um, has got unbelievably fast hands great eye uh, and that instinctive nature that he's got you know uh, has, has served him quite well but I think what we're seeing now uh, is the kind of development of Just Butler where actually thinking about it a little bit you know it doesn't hurt him at all. I think it helps. I think he's bringing to bear um, all the experience that he's gained, uh, obviously playing for England, but also around the world in, in the Big Bash and in the uh, in the IPL and, and those kind of tournaments. Uh, and I'm seeing a player now who is, you know, outrageously skillful, you know, unbelievably talented, has got every shot in the book, uh, but has also got quite a smart head on his shoulders, who's also, you know, understands... The, the different, as I said earlier, different conditions, the different situations that you can find yourself in in white ball cricket, and I just think he's really emerging and and, and turning into not just a kind of you know great player or you know world class player, but but kind of a you know once in a lifetime type player. He's uh, he's really something special, and um, you know it's been great to to write you know particularly nice things about him and and then watch him perform because I really think he's 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 developing all the time and turning into something you know truly special. What's the um, Australian media been like, and um, with Australians one day side looking out of sorts? I know I know they're probably going to be 
realistically, there's probably going to be five different faces in their side come the World Cup. But what was how's the media uh, covering their um, beating um, that's gone on over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been interesting. There's definitely you know a bit of a a turn from the Australian media in terms of recognising that their their success, their joy at the Ashes is is, is well and truly over. Um, but you know, I was in the in the press box uh, for the game at Sydney, and obviously, you know, chatting with a couple of the Aussie journos who, you know, I've, I've been around the, the country with, um, and you know, they are not too worried about it. That you know, they feel as though you know the the next big thing on their horizon is the South Africa Test series that's going to come up. I think in March. You know, they've just named their squad for that and um, you know all, all the attention is kind of you know whether or not they can continue their you know incredible run of success in South Africa um, they don't like losing out here as you know Goffey they're, they're <laughs> a tremendously proud kind of sporting nation and any kind of defeat especially to the English is, is met with um, pretty stern faces but I, I think they appreciate that you know sometimes the, the effort that's gone into to winning the Ashes 4-0 you know, as I say, with this um, South Africa series to come, they've not been taking it too badly. Um, they are, after all, still the world champions. They did win the World Cup uh, here, you know, in the, the last edition. So they're, they're not the worst uh, white ball team in the world. Uh, but I think that, we'll, that they'll maybe be paying a bit more attention to it uh, this summer in England when they come over for five one days, because of course that's those are the conditions. That's the country that the uh, next World Cup's going to be in. And they'll want to see a bit of an improvement. But uh, for now, um, they haven't got stuck into their guys too much. Uh, there was an interesting moment during the Ashes, Dino, when uh, Jimmy Anderson was uh, on camera uh, in front of the umpires, seemingly picking at the seam, although that uh, it was actually just clearing mud from the ball in clear view of the umpires after asking them to do so. Uh, but uh, that didn't stop the media going into overdrive. I just wanted to, uh, on the back of what Goffey just asked you, let's first off hear what Steve Smith had to say after being caught on camera seemingly uh, rubbing uh, lip salve onto the ball, um, but he denied uh, doing anything untoward. People said something about lip balm. Um, if you look at my lips, they're pretty dry. I certainly didn't have any of that on. So, yeah, it's just the way I sort of get some spit into the side of my mouth and, and get um, get some spit onto the ball. So, yeah, um, there's nothing in it. So, uh, nothing in it, Dino, um, but was there much uh, pick-up online or, or on, uh, in the media on it? Well, it was certainly brought to our attention and, and we did have a little bit of a chuckle about it, um, you know, bearing in mind, as you say, what happened with with Jimmy um you know he said that his lips were very dry i must admit i was stood uh, or sat rather uh, about 10 yards away from him as he as he was saying that uh, and i was unable to verify that statement i probably <laughs> needed to go a bit closer and rub my finger across his lips just to be sure but uh, maybe that might not have gone down to gone down too well um look it, it's one of those things that we've, we've seen it a, a little bit all over the world, actually, we've seen it with uh, Virat Kohli in in India, uh, where you know it looked as though he might have had a little sweet or something in his mouth, and we've seen it with Faf Duplessis, uh, who got pinged for it over over here in Australia, uh, doing doing the same sort of thing. Um, look, 
I, I'd like to think that players are, you know, are smart enough to realise that they they can't get away with with much out there these days. There are so many cameras, so many angles, so many views. Uh, yet at the same time, you know, they're professional uh, sportsmen who will push the envelope, push push the line as as far as they can before uh, before crossing it uh, to try and get an advantage and and, and try and make sure that they can do what they can for their team. So, uh, look, it's, it's one of those things that I think we're going to enjoy uh, asking difficult questions of of players, uh, you know, as, as long as there's footage of, of, of things like this. Uh, and it's up to them to uh, to deny and, and dodge and bob and weave and all the rest of it. But uh, on this occasion, um, I will I will give Steve Smith the benefit of the doubt and say that uh, say that everything was fine. Of course, you know, just because you might get the ball to move one way or the other doesn't mean that uh, that you're going to win the game. And and England certainly uh, made sure that Australia didn't do that. Brilliant. But well, look, mate, you bob and weaved through that answer absolutely brilliantly, Dino. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll let we'll let you go. And uh, the smile on my face whilst listening to that would have been half of what Goffey's was. Just thinking back to his own career, I'm sure. Uh, Dean, thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, we'll speak to you. Uh, we'll speak to you soon, no doubt. Yeah, no problem. Cheers, guys. That's uh, Dean Wilson, Daily Mirror cricket writer speaking to us from Australia. I tell you what, cricket uh, press conference is the place to be. Uh, I remember Alistair Cook telling everyone that he doesn't sweat. I remember uh, Cameron Bancroft uh, showing us what was a headbutt after the um, Johnny Bairstow incident and uh, now we've got Steve Smith saying that he's got dry and cracked lips if anybody wanted to take a look. Uh, you're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sports 2. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2 with me, John Norman. And of course, Darren Goff, um, I'm pleased to say we're joined by the former England batsman now, Rob Key, who currently in New Zealand, like me, down under, uh, following the uh, Under-19 World Cup. And, uh, well, it's all been about England-Australia for the last couple of months, so uh, we could follow suit because the two teams have been pitted together and uh, the match is uh, is coming up very shortly. Rob, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know it's late uh, in New Zealand, so I appreciate your time. But uh, um, a tournament, I suppose, you you must be very fond of, having won it back in the day. No, I mean, that was it. I mean, that was the, probably, in the end, that, that one of the better things that I did in cricket. But um, I tell you, there is nothing bigger for an under-19 cricketer than England-Australia in what quarter-final. The Youth World Cup is massive for them. And we're in Queenstown, which is a good spot as well. I tell you what, um, we were we were hoping to speak to you last week, weren't we, Rob? Um, uh, and I, I hadn't managed to see any of the action up until that point. But it's actually worked out quite nicely that you're on this week because I actually caught one of the matches, uh, England against Bangladesh, um, and I suppose, like everyone, when you watch these games, you're, you're looking for the future stars, aren't you? Uh, and there was a well, there's a couple of performances that really caught the eye for me. Uh, Harry Brooks uh, batting for England, scoring a century. The captain um, just seemed to have it. Really, he seems to have a, a little bit of quality about him. Unflustered at the crease, big guy. Uh, had the, had all the shots. Um, and uh, well, he looks the part at this stage. Anyway, of course, uh, anything could happen from here on in. But what other players have caught your eye? Yeah, well, you're right. Harry Brook looks a class player. The two batsmen in the England setup, who you would say we're probably going to hear something of in the next couple of years, certainly from first-class cricket and T20, 
will be Will Jacks from Surrey and Harry Brook. Both of those are they're, they're children of the 2020 age, really, or they've come through that. They've got proper techniques. They hit the ball harder than I remember any under-19 cricketer uh, when I was playing. Uh, they just look like two two of the real standout players, really. And the other one is a guy who got drafted in another Surrey player, Ewan Woods, who came in uh, short notice, really, as an off-spinner and a batter, and he looked unflat. He had the most laid-back demeanour all the way through, which is what you look for, really. He had a bit of talent with the ball, could hit a long ball as well. Reminded me a bit of Ben Stokes, the way that he sort of just could stand at the crease as a left hand and look like someone who's modelled himself on that, uh, on the cricket field, that is. And uh, the, those would be the three, I reckon, that are gonna, you're going to hear about in the near future. Rob, uh, Goffey, mate, um, hope you're well. Um, on, on, on England, I, I worked with England a little bit last uh, summer and saw some players, but they were playing against a very, very, very good Indian side. How are the teams out there so far? Have England got a chance or are they just in that next tier in Wilkinson? Because they tend to be at that age group, Rob. I know you had success with it, but England just tend to be behind the real elite at under-19 level. Yeah, the big favourites, you're absolutely right. The big favourites are India by an absolute mile. They smashed Australia, who England are playing uh, in the quarterfinal. They were in their group, and India won, and they got this pretty Shaw, who looks, he's played first class cricket already, got hundreds in first class cricket. He looks, they look on like they that they are on the next level, probably on the next level from Australia and anyone else, really, from what we've seen. Uh, and then England are bad, actually. The problem is that the, the group stages, in all honesty, We've seen some very, very average teams. And the side's been bowled out for 50. Even Bangladesh were poor. So nobody, none of the big teams really, with the exception of India and Australia, that first game they've played has been tested. England hasn't been tested yet. But I reckon they've got, you know, it's like they've got a couple of players, they've got three or four players who you think are going to go very quickly. My under-19 team, there's probably four or five of us within a year or so we're all playing first class cricket but then the rest of the guys weren't even professional cricketers within three or four years so that would be similar here there's not much pace with the ball in the England set up here which is a bit of a buzz thing isn't it at the moment in English cricket there's not loads and loads of pace they're probably one of the slower attacks of the bigger countries yeah, so I saw that. And um, yeah, me too, mate. I was impressed by the spinner Woods. Um, I thought he bowled uh, really, really well against Bangladesh. Is that the game he came in for? Uh, and like I say, I think when you looked at the team, um, England, I always thought the batting was going to be their downfall. But now I'm not so sure. The actual batting looks quite strong, doesn't it? Now, Brooks back, and he was rested last year. They got Will Jacks, they got Liam Banks. They've got some good players in the batting lineup. Yeah, the batting's fine. The, the batting stands up, I think, against the rest of the teams in the tournament. But then it's just the bowling, really. But there's not loads and loads of class bowling around in all the other countries as well. There's no one flinging it down there at 90 mile an hour, which you sometimes get. There's someone like Alex Tudor, Freddie, Flintoff, when they were under 19, well, Freddie had a back injury, but Rizak. when they bowled, they, they were Rizak, didn't they? Rizak, there's loads of there's loads of guys that could just bowl who were probably quicker at under 19 than they were in professional cricket. There's none of that yet from what we've seen. The Indians have got a cup of Mavi, a fast bowler. Apart from that, there's not loads and loads of pace. Eh? But then things happen very quickly, as you know, Goffey, at this stage now, in the next couple of years, these lads develop. And I think that, you know, there'll be a few players that we see in international cricket pretty soon. The pathway's changed, though, hasn't it, Rob? Um, not necessarily for the England guys, but if you look at the IPL, 
Uh, it's not unusual to see 17... Uh, Safraz Ahmad, uh, I think one of only three players retained by the Royal Challengers Bangalore. You know, and this is a team which had Chris Gale in it. You know, uh, Tamar Mills played there, of course, last year. Um, he made his, uh, his his debut in, in that format um, aged just 16, 16, 17. So... You know, is this still the pathway, do you think, in in a more traditional sense? Is it always going to be this kind of pathway? Or actually, are, are people going to start bypassing this and, and, and seeing 2020 leagues as, as perhaps the springboards to uh, to fame and higher honours? Yeah, I think the subcontinent teams have always had, they've always played people younger than England, Australia, places like that. You look at Tendulk or any of the guys, they'll generally start a bit younger. But I think you know, 2020 is an interesting thing now because you, you can't, you look at some of these players, you always look at these things, 50 over cricket, and you're trying to pick out the next test batsman who's going to come into the test setup because I'm still of that generation. And, you know, in this 50 over cricket, there'll be people here, that you don't, they're not even on your radar, really. There'll be people who can't get in this team who all of a sudden will turn up in T20 because quite frankly it's an easier format Test cricket is hard it's called Test cricket for a reason so there's a couple of players that you look at this and think that they're a chance of playing Test cricket which is you know which is the pure uh, format of the game and there's a lot of them who might have a chance in T20 leagues and playing for England in T20 because these are all now a product of T20 cricket. They've come through as young kids, as 10-year-olds. They've watched T20. That's been a big way through. So they're very different to when myself, Goffey, people like that were coming through. Also, Rob, um, the way England are playing in Australia now in one-day cricket, we look a totally different team. We're so dominant, playing a lovely brand of cricket. It's good for the under-19s to see if they can continue along the pathway. This is the brand of cricket England are looking to play. So they could almost mirror it, can't they, for, uh, at that age group from 16 onwards. Yeah, and those boys that you named earlier on, the batsmen in that, they are doing that. Mm. You watch the way they play, it's very different. I mean, I remember when I was working, when they put on Sky a rerun of the final I played in. It was one of the worst games of cricket I've ever seen. I remember thinking, here we go, we're, I'm going to look all right for my little 27. I thought about 60 balls and thought I was doing all right. Stephen Peters got 100. These lads are doing it very similar in a way to what the international boys are doing at the top level, albeit we haven't seen them tested yet. But, I mean, England now, the, the superstars for all these lads would have been a Joss Butler, will be the Owen Morgans, the Alex Houses, people like that. They, I mean, When you look at them, they look more like those players than they do the Alistair Cooks and some of the other guys that we've seen in Test cricket. Oh, can I just ask you quickly on the captaincy at Kent, uh, Rob? I know you're probably you're out of the loop a little bit, but you must have seen it. North East looks like he's been replaced by Sam Billings. Is that the strangest decision I've ever... I know he's a fantastic cricketer <laughs> and he will be a good captain, but he's never going to be there. Well, yeah, he, well, he's got IPL, and then it depends on what he does for England. Well, he'll be playing for England. At the moment. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you one thing, Goff. The, the talk is that I've read that Sam North East been told he can look speak to other counties which will be he'll be the best signing for any especially in the first division and if he leaves Ken that'll be a sad day because he scored you have to replace like 1400 runs a bloke's one of the top run scorers in the country in every format he's done everything he possibly can to try and get Kent moving forward and you know not from an easy situation either so if he leaves then that's a sad day for Kent Cricket 
Rob, we, we've got uh, Lizzie Ammon coming on the show later on. There's uh, been uh, yet more talks of an overhaul for the county championship. When isn't there? But you know, one of the feelings is that uh, players like North East feel that they can't play second division cricket because they've got to go to the first division club to get a call up for England. And you only have to look at Stoneman um, for for recent examples of exactly that happening. Um, you know, is that is that an area you you would you would back within the uh, within the county championships, or is it about England just looking beyond the the, uh, the same old clubs? Well, England, I mean, England have to somehow pick some of these guys because even in the first division at times, not the same as when you're playing against Cummins, Stark, people like that. So I don't personally, I think you've got to try and judge on whether these lads are. It's very hard on whether these lads are capable of playing at that level. And there's been a bit of a revolving door of batsmen in that. Uh, Sam Northeast is someone that just hasn't had a chance. He scored a lot of runs for some reason. They haven't thought to pick him yet. He's going on the line. But actually, I think this will be his summer. And if he does move, the chances are he probably will play for England. But I think he'll probably play for England this year, even if he stays at King. So it's just probably about his turn. If he has a half-decent year, I think he's got a good chance of playing for England. Brilliant stuff. Rob, thanks for joining us uh, and staying up. And uh, really Keep playing golf, really Rob. <laughs> it's, it's the country to play it that's for mm. sure um, Rob Key there uh, great to hear him I tell you what Goffey he's a, he's a guy that I know he's done wonderfully well in the media but uh, you know I know you've done your fair share of coaching I'm pretty sure he'll be able to pass on you know so much from uh, the perspective of a former England batsman but also someone who just he just talks about the game so well Yep, yeah, loves the game, always has done, uh, talks a lot of sense. Um, he'll argue his point, no matter who he's talking with as well. Uh, like I say, he didn't play for England as many games as he probably should have done. Uh, he was a fantastic player, uh, but uh, always had a voice. Uh, very good county captain, uh, could have captained England uh, without a doubt. And uh, he's got a good cricket brain, but yet again, he's another one um, who's been lost uh, to the media. Um, mm. the, the, the path for coaching is not an easy one. Um, it's very much set in stone, and um, he's chose the media route. Mm. He's uh, he's also not shy of an opinion or two. Maybe that's held him back as well in that regard. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we can uh, we can talk about that another day. Uh, plenty more to come on the show. We're going to be speaking to Lizzie Ammon from the Times about those uh, changes to the county championship. Uh, Robbie Peterson. Uh, former South African Aust- uh, international is going to be uh, looking back at uh, a wonderful couple of test matches uh, for South Africa against the number one team in cricket, India. Uh, and also going to be speaking to Sam Curran, who's just got back from uh, his time in New Zealand as well. As uh, Goffey said last year, was something approaching uh, incredulity. And a 19-year-old overseas pro. Whatever next. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2 with me, John Norman, and, of course, Darren Goff. Uh, This time last week... uh, the name of Sam Curran came up in conversation. Goffey absolutely gobsmacked because uh, Sam heading to New Zealand, lovely part of the world, where he was going to be overseas pro for the Auckland Aces, aged just 19. I'm pleased to say Sam's with us now. Uh, just made it back after the Aces narrowly missed out on a place in the final, Sam, but I caught some of your performances. Um, it must have been an absolutely superb experience for you. 
Um, how about did the uh, did the move come about uh, to fly out to New Zealand for uh, the best part of a month or two? Hey lads, how you going, Gav? Yeah, yeah, we good, sir. Um, yeah, so I was kind of was training indoors at Surrey for the last probably months and uh, weeks in November, and um, my brother had to obviously left the squad to go to the Ashes, and he was going to the Big Bash, so um, he missed out on that opportunity. And Joffrey Archer was originally going to the Auckland Aces, and then. Stewie, Stewie got a call from Auckland and was keen to see if I'd be interested to go play in the tournament and I, I thought it was a no-brainer to get out, get outdoors and instead of dreading bowling in the indoor school which was a bit frustrating <laughs> and then luckily I got the call and I was going so it was good Sam I think it's absolutely amazing but uh, one so young can be an overseas player in one of these um, uh, tournaments around the world I, I think it's great experience for such a young lad and it's remarkable how well you're actually dealing with it I mean d- you must have to pinch yourself at times overseas player age 19 <laughs> cheers mate um, yeah I think it's just one of those again everything's sort of going well I don't really want to jinx it but yeah I love my time out there it was a pretty young side which um, helped more even it's one of those where I almost made some very good friends off the field and that led up to the performances on the pitch the boys were very energetic in the field and had that almost the way England one day cricket's going at the moment they almost had that mindset of kind of going out there not worrying about your own performance or about the team unfortunately we came across one of the sides who was in pretty good form and we lost in the semi-final but yeah I think I love my time out there I'll definitely go back uh, Sam, of course, you're in the same time zone as your brother Tom when he was playing Ashes cricket. You must have exchanged a few te- uh, texts uh, back and forth. Uh, it must have been a very proud moment for you to see your older brother, even though he's only 21. Um, Goffey, I think, was 24 before he played uh, yeah. for England first. But it, it must have been it must have been pretty good to be on the same side of the world as your brother was playing for England. Yeah, it was a very exciting time for the whole family. Obviously, um, my dad would be very proud watching from above. And um, I think it was one of those times where it was nice to see Tom get his debut. It was our first Christmas away from home. So that was a bit interesting. And kind of me and Tom had our own little Christmas in that side of the world. And then my mum and my middle brother, Ben, had theirs in England. So but definitely very proud of Tom. And I thought, thought he went pretty well. Yeah, I mean, brothers playing for England. I'm really hoping this does happen at some point. We had it with the Ollie Oaks. I played with them. Fantastic lads. Surrey boys as well. Uh, you see the marshes in Australia, the wars. Um, it just goes on and on. I mean, it can happen. It will happen. Um, are you looking forward to that day, if it does? Yeah, definitely. I think that's everyone's dream, really, of um, playing with the brother. Obviously, it started at Surrey a few years ago, and that all went quite nicely. And obviously... Tom's got his chance at the moment and hopefully I can follow in his footsteps in the next couple of years and take my chance if it does come. Mm. Do you know, was... just sorry, sorry, Sam, I first saw yes, you, uh, you might not remember, I went to a Surrey um, under-15 game and you were uh, bowling and you were playing against my son who was playing for Buckinghamshire and that's when I first saw you then and then you you were bowling the pace you're bowling at now at age 15. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't put any, any more yards, have I? <laughs> um, no, but I do actually, I can remember playing against Bucks um, under 15. We had a great side. I think we won it that year. We've you got did. a few boys in our in our Surrey side at the moment, the likes of Amar Verdi, Oli Pope, um, Will Jacks, who's doing well at the 19th World Cup. We had a pretty good side then. Yeah, you did. You did indeed. Sam, Sam when you were watching... Uh... Tom Bolter, Mitchell Marsh. Was that uh, a bit of a strange moment? Because I know uh, growing up, you were very close to the Marsh family. And of course, Mitchell's going to be heading to the Oval this year as well. Yeah, it was very strange, actually. 
and I, I chatted to Mitch before the before the series and when he got signed for Surrey so that was very exciting I think there's a couple of pics of me and him growing up where he, I was probably doing all the fielding whilst Tom and Mitch were doing the <laughs> doing the batting and bowling as I was a youngster but um, no, I think it's very exciting he'll be a great signing for us at Surrey and I'm sure he'll be a great guy to learn from and it probably helps that we such good family friends as well Sam what happens for you now are you on the Lions tour to the West Indies uh, yeah so obviously I landed back yesterday afternoon and I've got probably the next couple of days off and then back at the over we fly to the Lions we, on the Lions tour next next Wednesday I think the 31st so that'll be a good tour I've never been to the West Indies so I think it's three four day games and three one days you're in for a treat let me tell you it's one of the best places to tour straight off the cricket ground but- one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh, it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Back to the hotel, feet in the sea, pina colada, mate. You're in for a treat. <laughs> Look forward to it. <laughs> Sam, Sam, before we let you go, um, obviously I did catch quite a few of the Auckland Aces games. Uh, I'm down under as well. But, um, you know, uh, the, the bowling is how you're, you're, you're known, really. Um, but, uh, but the batting is also coming to a, to a point where... You know, are you, are you, uh, are you do you foresee a, a time when actually it could be the batting that sees you get the call up? I think definitely. As 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 I was growing up, as Goffey probably said, when I was playing against Fiston, I was probably more of a batter then. Mm. But I think my opportunity came in the side side when I think it was Chris Trimlett got a very bad probably career-ending injury. So I think it was one of those where I took my opportunity to the bowler. But definitely, that's the whole reason why I also went to New Zealand was to get some time in the middle not really playing on the indoor surfaces where you can feel it's a million dollars but you maybe not be gaining as much more as game time so 
think that's the main thing why I went there and um, I really enjoyed it, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, Sam, we'll let you go. You've done very well. I'm not sure how the jet lag affects you going from New Zealand to England to the West Indies, but you know what? I think uh, I think you'll cope okay. Thanks, mate. No worries. Good luck. That's it. Yeah, good luck, Sam. That's it. Sam Curran, Surrey, uh, Auckland, and uh, no doubt one day England as well, and, uh, and a good chap. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see how he goes. And yeah, you're absolutely right, Goffey. Brothers playing for England. You could have the Overtons beating them to it, actually, thinking Ooh, about yeah, it. Yeah, that, there's another close one. I think, I think like I said, Jamie, um, I thought Craig did really, really well. But Jamie, if we're going to be honest, he's the one who's got that raw pace. You could see him in. And I can see it. One day cricket, I think it's definitely going to happen. Um, uh, Tom and Sam will definitely play together at some point um, in one day uh, international cricket in the next 12 months I'm, I'm absolutely certain of it um, and, and it will be interesting that because two very very good cricketers and they're different as well aren't they like I said I think Sam I first saw him when he was 15 um, like I say he was skinny type bowler he was quick for his age um, as he is now he's, he's that skiddy type pace he's got a great slower ball ball's a good Yorker as well for someone so young and he's batting his batting is very very impressive and it's it's just a little bit better than Tom's I hate comparing brothers because they both have got their own individual skills but mm. his batting just just will give him an edge moving forward well, it'll be fascinating to see and I tell you what sorry team of brothers we had the Bedsers the Butchers <laughs> The Hollyoaks, the Bicknells, and now we've got the Currents. It's, uh, go. it's, it's, it's the family club. Um, plenty more to come on the show um, uh, between now and uh, 10 o'clock. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. So far today, we've already been discussing England's ODI triumph against Australia with uh, Dean Wilson from the uh, Daily Mirror. Uh, we've been uh, talking with Rob Key on the Under-19 World Cup. And we've got plenty more to come on the show. Uh, Sam Curran, uh, Robin Peterson, former South African international, and, uh, of course, Steve Harmison as well. But uh, before all of that... I'm pleased to say that Lizzie Ammon from The Times joins us, um, not for the first time, an exclusive uh, this week, uh, and uh, not for the first time, must be said, another county uh, championship shake-up mooted, uh, this time involving three divisions. And uh, I'm pleased to say Lizzie's with us now to make sense of uh, the nonsensical at times. Um, so what's been, what's been proposed, Lizzie, this time? Three, three divisions, no relegation, no promotion. Um, where's the basis from this coming from first up? Well, I think there's a feeling that um, uh, it's ahead of uh, the year 2020 when there's a shake-up of, uh, of English cricket with the new T20 competition coming in. But uh, now's the time just to have a, 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 a discussion, and it may not go anywhere, um, about whether the championship is serving its purpose and whether it's doing the right thing. Um, and the best thing for English cricket, and there's a feeling of, amongst quite a lot of uh, of counties that actually the way that um, it's set up at the moment uh, in terms of promotion and relegation incentivizes slightly weird behaviour from um, uh, from counties because of the pressure of not getting relegated, and particularly now there are only eight teams in Division One, a quarter of them get relegated, um, and they bring in coal packs and they don't play their youngsters. They're quite risk averse. Um, uh, and there's a feeling that, that that doesn't help English cricket at all, really. Um, 
So would it be better uh, for all 18 counties, in theory, at the start of every season, to be able to win the, the championship? Um, and there's a lot of merits to that, I think, uh, going into 2020. There should be a bit of a levelling of the playing field in terms of the total amount counties can spend on salaries and how they can attract players because uh, each county will be getting an additional 1.3 million from the new broadcast deal. Now, the big counties are going to have to spend that on paying down some of their debt from their stadium developments. The smaller counties don't have that debt, so can put it towards salaries. Um, so the idea is basically three conferences uh, and they can either be regionally based or put out of a hat or based on last year's standings. Um, so so 10 group games and then playoffs to decide the final standings and the champion. Well, it sounds sounds good. Is this a similar one to the Yorkshire idea I read about uh, the other day? Is, is it very similar? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are, there are different ways you can cut the cut the pie, really. Um, the Yorkshire one uh, is, yes, is based on competitors and then playoffs. Um, with the champion, with that one, you end up with one more game a year. As I, I know, I saw it. that. I, di- I didn't get that one. We try to cut it's down it. the amount of cricket, well, and that gives us one exactly. more. <laughs> so I'm not sure the ECB will be terribly attracted by having more cricket. I think what would be more likely to be a flyer is to have yeah. um, a, a system that that gives you 12 games a year or 13 games a year, freeing and for some counties freeing up. Um, extra days in the schedule makes a lot of sense because the proposal at the moment is that um, the blast will be cut down so uh, they will have two fewer home blast games. Now for small counties the blast is a really important source of revenue and and they're a bit frustrated that they're going to lose out on two fairly lucrative days of blast cricket so if you cut down the number of championships you could get back those two extra days Lizzie do you know my, my biggest thing with county cricket because I think I think county cricket I'm not one of them who say it's rubbish I think county cricket has got better and better and better and better like like cricket in general that, that's what happens in life uh, with technology and everything that goes with it there's a small improvement probably every 10 years or whatever it may be we've seen in one day cricket it's, it's been quicker than that but my biggest problem and I got <laughs> I got groundsmen getting think taking it personally, but our biggest problem is because some the way it's done with relegation and promotion at this moment in time, people are desperate to get the results, and the pitches mm. have not as been as good as they should have been for county cricket. I know it's played at the start of the summer and the end of the summer, but it all comes down. If you want better bowlers, you want better batsmen, you need better pitches. Simple as that. You're, no, you're absolutely right, uh, and I think there's there's a big push. Um, for getting better pitches. I mean, it's really hard for groundsmen because there's so much cricket, um, and especially with the increase in uh, the amount of televised cricket, and that will only get worse in 2020 when all of the the new competition has to be televised. They have to be in the middle of the square, so those four wickets in the middle of the square just get used all the time. So it's really hard for, uh, for groundsmen, but yeah, pitches is really important. And I think you're right, if there wasn't so much pressure to have to get a result to avoid relegation or try and get promotion, then the, the, the we would have better pitches because it wouldn't be so disastrous to, to draw. Mm, exactly. I tell you what, uh, I tell you what, Lizzie, because I, I printed out your article and I just thought I'd have a little look at some of the um, some of the responses from the many Times readers. And uh, it's funny that Goffey should mention that because I picked up on one of them. My guy goes on the name of Pasta Man. Uh, And it just says at the end of it, he says, um, if we look uh, to county cricket to survive and produce future test players, we should start with the wickets we play on. 
We need to move from seamer-friendly puddings to harder, bouncier tracks that deteriorate over two, three days as spinners. Until that is sorted, we can have as many conferences as we want, but the county game will not improve. So, uh, On that, can, look... I, can I just finish on sure. that? The, pro- yeah. the thing is, as well, is I'm backing our groundsmen because our groundsmen are some of the best in the world. I would go to their conference. I see some of the work they put in, the amount of hours mm. they put in. They are fantastic. So, well, highly skilled. And you only have to look at the pictures we get in T20 cricket. And I go to finals day. I go to some of the T20 matches. The pictures are fantastic. The batsmen can play all these great shots on it because the pictures are absolutely first class so they can produce them it's but the captains and the coaches want result pictures so the game's over in less than two and a half days because that's the result and that is points in the bag yeah and, um, and I think if we if we move to a conference it, we, we might take away some of that those incentives to do that um, uh, and, and the pressure to bring in coal packs so it would mean that the that counties will play you know, nine qualified English players, uh, uh, and 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 will take a punt on their youngsters because losing isn't so much of a disaster. More points for draws? What about that? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Hmm. Because if you take the emphasis of be all being about winning and trying to get a result, the groundsmen then and the coaches won't produce pitches that are going to be over in two and a half. Like I, said, I saw one game the other day. One game. I think it was over in less than two days. Uh, county yeah. that's a first class just think about that for a minute a first class match is over in less than two days that's 40 wickets how does that happen well yeah I mean the, uh, you know the beginning of the season I was at Durham last year and watching James Patterson steaming at Chesterley Street on a green one and the Durham batsmen, a couple of them real youngsters didn't stand a chance mm. Uh, Lizzie, for the last um, four or five years, up until the Test team hit the buffers a little bit, uh, with England going to number one in the uh, Test rankings and uh, and winning Ashes left, right and centre, all I heard was uh, it was because of the success of Division 1 and Division 2 county cricket. Now... Um, you take the uh, the example of Sam Northeast at Kent, who I'm sure you've seen a lot of. We spoke to Rob Key about this as well. Uh, players are jumping ship from Division Two teams because they do not feel uh, that they're uh, going to get selected for England uh, whilst they play in Division Two. But then some players like Ravi Bapara say there's very little difference in the standard of cricket played between the two. Um, where do you stand on those? There, there, I mean, there is certainly a difference between the top of Division One and the bottom of Division Two in terms of quality. It's mostly the depth of bowling. It's when it comes to first and second changes that, that you notice the difference mm. in quality. But, um, but actually, I think uh, that's one of the problems and why the conference system might be more attractive because I do feel for counties who find players, develop players, and then these players go off somewhere else um, because they, they can offer more money or because they want to go to Division 1 because they think that's where England will look at them. I think we need to remove that. I think we need to remove um, England not looking at, you know, more than half the players in more than half the counties because they think it's Division 2. So um, that's a, a, another reason why a conference system might be more attractive and, and would help the counties that are struggling to hang on to their players. Liz, where do you stand on this T20 stuff? Because obviously the franchise is coming, the franchise tournament's going to be coming out um, in 2020. We've got the big blast, which is obviously working. You only have to look at the way we play T20 and one-day international cricket. Our one-day game is working. 
Does it need changing? Because we're 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 probably one of the top two teams in the world at this moment in time with a white ball. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, Gossie. I, I I can understand the objectives that the ECB are trying to do. They're trying to get the same sort of uh, success in terms of families and kids and different type of audience that the Big Bash has got. And you can't argue with the fact that the Big Bash has incredible crowds. Mm, brilliant. Loads of kids, loads of kids, loads of families. Um, and some of our blast matches are a bit of a, a, a bit of a booze up, aren't they? And the, the demographic is not kids, it's lots of people after work drinking. Um, but the crowds keep going up. I do wonder if we might have been able to get the same outcomes, but but just by tweaking our blast changing the sort of atmosphere, having some dry areas, putting more marketing into it, then we wouldn't have had to have two competitions. Because I do wonder if two T20 com- domestic competitions is sustainable in the long term. Mm, exactly. I don't think there's any interest on the ECB to sustain both of them, but uh, we shall see. Lizzie, appreciate your time Thanks, today Liz. and always, and uh, we'll chat to you soon. Thanks. That's uh, Lizzie Ammon uh, from The Times and uh, county championship expert. She sees a lot more county cricket than uh, Trevor Bayliss or Joe Root, I imagine. She should um, pick the England but... team. She's there every day. <laughs> <laughs> she, should, she should do. Um, plenty more to come on the show. We're going to speak to uh, Robin Peterson. A fantastic series um, that has been taking place between South Africa and India. And plenty more to come on the show. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2 with me, John Norman, and of course, Darren Goff himself. Uh, pleased to say that a man who's been uh, nearly as much part of Talk Sport and Talk Sport 2's cricket coverage as Goffy uh, is with us now. Steve Harmison joins us from uh, deepest, darkest, coldest Ashington. And uh, delight to get you on, matey. Um, big week this week. News that Ben Stokes uh, has uh, been told he can uh, restart his England career uh, and uh, can expect him heading down down under. Well, good for the player, but uh, I mean, is there a, is there is there a feeling possibly that uh, maybe he'd be better served just playing a bit of IPL cricket and then coming back in the summer? Yeah, I think that's you know. Uh, it's it's a, it's an interesting one. I think this whole Ben Stokes saga has been it's been hard. Yeah, let's be fair to the ECB. Uh, the, it, it's been hard to, to deal with. Um, damned if they do, damned if they don't. To be honest, yeah, that mm, the, yeah, I agree. Yeah, the the integrity of the game. Also, they have to look after the team, but also have to look after the player as well. I know Ben Stokes did. You know, he got himself in a position where he didn't want to. He didn't. Well, a lot of people have criticised him for. But I think on on reflection and looking at it, I, I don't think there was any winner whether he played in the Ashes or he didn't play in the Ashes, whether he's going to New Zealand or he's not. Because he's being charged now, they're going to let him play when he hadn't been charged and they didn't let him play. I just think mm. it was a, a tricky thing for the ECB to deal with. Um, the good thing for me is that we're getting closer to Ben Stokes having a game of cricket for England, which is what all England fans want. Um, for me, I would personally, if I was brutally honest, I would let him go to the IPL and that would be my opinion, just because all the all the names that's at the IPL, all the razzmatazz of the IPL, he could get sucked up in that. It could get. Let's be fair. We don't want to get uh, washed 
brushed under the carpet. I think, you know, it's been serious enough to go to court. It's been serious, serious enough for the police. So I think he has to understand what's happened and, and, and come back from that and learn from that. But I think from, a, from Ben Stokes' point of view and possibly from the ECB's point of view, by the time he next plays for England, he'll have played seven weeks of cricket in the IPL. It's not going to be old news when he comes back, but... We will have seen him on TV, and it will be harder for people to judge or people to get close to him in that IPL environment. And I think that would be my preference for Ben, um, because I think England in the one-day side at this moment in time look phenomenal, look really, really good. Two Test matches out in New Zealand. You know, can we give a couple of people a chance to stake a claim for the summer? Um, even after the back of the Ashes so I think personally I would rather him go play for the IPL but I think the ECB want to get him back quickly as they possibly can to to get this you know, put to bed before the summer comes and questions being asked I tend to agree with you on it I, mean, I, I don't think England need him for just a, a tri-series in New Zealand I think he's a brilliant cricketer you need him back um, his mind needs to be 100% on it and while he's got other things going on, let him get that all over the way. Mm. Go to the IPL, seven weeks cricket under his belt, playing at a strong level, under pressure in in those games as well, because he's going to go for a couple of mil. So he's under pressure every game he plays. And come back into the English summer and play against Pakistan. That's all that needs for Ben Stokes. Let him come back and come back gradually, rather than be straight in in England, in New Zealand, country where he's obviously got... Uh, a lot of roots there there's going to be a lot of media and it's quite easier to follow you around in New Zealand if we're going to be honest about it it might be a bit mm. harder for the media to get to him in India because as you know hotels are in shutdown most of the time so are grounds as well the grounds are yeah. in shutdown modes you can't you get busted in busted out you know we could get get away from it and you know there's going to be mentioned they're always going to be mentioned Michael Vaughan had a go during the week about how why England players have played well in the last three games because the IPL auction comes around that's nonsense that's complete nonsense in the fact that Ben Stokes is going to go in the IPL for a lot a lot of money that's not Ben Stokes' fault that's because Ben Stokes is a fantastic cricketer let's not, not put aside as in you know, forget about what happened in Bristol that night but when you're talking about a cricketer who you know, for what he does for the game you know, you, it's not the cricketer's fault it's the same as Alexis Sanchez going for 500 grand a week it's not Sanchez's fault it's what somebody's willing to pay for him so I think from that point of view I think Stokes in the IPL away from the, away from the sort of being able to got, be got at I think for me, um, from an ECB point of view, I think that would be better for him, better stood for the ECB as well. Um, but I think from an ECB point of view, they'll probably want to get him playing. If I was Mo and Ali, just a little side bet from this, if I was Mo and Ali, I'd want him back as soon as possible because I think Mo and Ali, a lot of Mo and Ali's problems, or some of his problems, have been because Ben Stokes hasn't been there. And I think Moen needs Ben Stokes in the team from a, a bowling point of view because Moen goes under the radar a little bit, but also a batten as well. You know, Ben Stokes and Moen Ali together as a combination. I think that is that is maybe he's hindered Moen in the last of three to six months. That's an interesting point, actually, um, Harmy. I mean, England one-day side is going great guns at the moment, and actually, Moen Ali's uh, performances have uh, have risen a little bit since uh, you know real poor Ashes series. But uh, is it as uh, is it as simple as just saying Bairstow out and Stokes in? No, I don't think so. I think Bairstow has to. Bairstow's a, Bairstow's shown that he's a he's a, 
a phenomenal cricketer. Joey Bestow should be in every England team that's played. You know, the only the only conundrum for me is whether he keeps wicket or not, and that's in the red ball format. You know, I can understand him not playing in the in the um, and not keeping wicket in the in the white ball format because you know Josh Butler comes in down the order. Whichever one, to be fair, which keeps Butler or Bestow, the other one could do the opposite job. So if Bestow wanted to keep or the thought Bestow was going to keep, Butler could open a baton and vice versa so no I think the both so how, have to be how, does, how does Stokes get into that ODI side then who, who drops out at the moment 3-0 up he doesn't yeah at the moment at, oh, the, really? moment, at the moment for me in this if, if he goes over tomorrow I think the last two one days have played without Ben Stokes because he hasn't played for a while These, this side's on a, a phenomenal run at this moment in time and I think that's where that's where you know Trevor Bayliss has said, yeah, he's got to earn the right to get in. And he has to earn the right to get in. It's like a bowler coming back from injury or a, you know, a batsman coming back from injury. But the one thing he will do, he will eventually get in when it comes to you know, going on to New Zealand and going on from further there. How they get him in there is a, is a million-dollar question. And that's where the, the, the most vulnerable, but they can't drop him, and that's the captain. And he's been like that yeah. probably for a... He's been like that probably for a few... For a few um, for a few months now or even for a season now but I would never drop Owen Morgan because not only because of his captaincy I just think there's a fantastic player in there and I think he you know, he, he, he has to stay in this side I think he's so important to this side which comes on to a wide range of other arguments you could have further down the line with Goffey and your next guest because you're going to get at the end of this series England win the one day series the difference between the one day series and Root and Morgan and all this nonsense that comes with it you know, Owen Morgan's got a, a, a well balanced bowling attack with once Ben Stokes comes back in it becomes even stronger and Joe Root didn't and that's the difference between winning a one day series and winning the Ashes but where he comes in it's, it is a million dollar question um, I'd find a place eventually find a place for him once he gets up to speed because he hasn't been playing but if Ben Stokes is available for tomorrow having been missed what he's missed I'm not sure he, I'm not sure he fits in at this mo- I'm not sure he gets in at this moment in time because the level of cricket and high performance that the one day team's in at the moment 3-0 up and the lack of cricket that Ben's had so you probably have to wait um, until they could have a, a real think about what they're doing when it comes to, to New Zealand if and when he gets there mm. I think you've got a great point there on the, the Morgan one is, is everybody's just going to look at him and think he's got to be the man that goes out mm. and he would if you were going on on talent and if you were going on um, form Morgan would be the first out he would be the absolute first out but he's captain um, and England are on a great run under his captaincy. They're playing with confidence. And it's such a difficult one to get Stokes into it. I mean, the only one he could possibly come in for is Wokes. And Wokes is having a nice little running Wokes one is day. unbelievable at the minute. Yeah. I mean, if he were out there tomorrow, he would actually get in. Uh, because he got Plunkett's injured, so mm. he would probably get in, wouldn't he? But uh, that's the only reason. But I'm totally 100% with you. So it's, but it's a good problem to have. It's a, it's good a problem great to problem have. to have. On form, on form, Morgan is the man. Mm. But not on talent. Not on talent. Owen Morgan's, Owen Morgan's got so much talent for me. It's, it's, yeah. I, I remember having a conversation with Kevin Peterson um, it would have been a couple of years ago now when Morgan was really struggling probably the last bad patch he had and I agreed with Kevin Kevin was I'll never drop him because he's got so much to give in one day cricket he's got so much to give and I think that's his mind his temperament but also his all round skill and factor and ability with a bat he goes through these peaks and troughs and I think at the minute he's just dipped a little bit and he's fortunate that his team's getting him out of trouble 
But for me, now Owen Morgan stays in the team every single time, and he captains because he just seems to have that perfect temperament, calm manner for one-day cricket when the ball's flying all around the park. I think he's excellent. Uh, saying that, Army, this is where the fine line goes in cricket, and true, we've, been, we've been part of it. If England would have lost this series and they'd have oh, lost yes. the first three, Owen Morgan would be dropped. Mm. They'd be looking at him thinking he's the, player, he's the player to go out because he hadn't had a 50 for seven matches and he's been scratchy. I mean, he could have been out five times yesterday in his four. So he's scratchy. But the good thing is, he's captaining brilliantly hmm. and England are winning. So his place is never going to come under um, scrutiny while ever England are winning. Mm. No, no, I, I, I agree. He I also, think he's fantastic. He also scored three centuries last year. Exactly. In ODI cricket. Mm. Um, can we talk a bit about Joe Root? Because... You know, we've been marvelling at Steve Smith in Test cricket over the uh, the winter, but when it comes to ODI cricket, he's a he's actually a player that almost goes under the radar. We're always talking about the the Roys and the Hales at the top of it, uh, the Butlers in the middle, the Stokeses, and of course uh, the Morgans. But Root's form in ODI cricket is it's obscene. I mean, he is um, arguably the most consistent ODI player we've ever had. Um, and he just gets on with it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's he is the Steve Smith of ODI cricket, and Steve Smith is uh, is perhaps a player Joe Root wants to be in Test cricket. It's amazing how it's just flipped. Yeah, but John, if you look at it, his Test career. If you look at his Test record, he gets he gets fifty he gets fifty to ninety every time he goes out to bat. So if he gets fifty to ninety every time he goes to bat in a one day game, you've got a great chance of winning. Yeah, let's be fair, yeah. and he, he scores them at run a ball or just on a on a running ball yeah Joe's a Joe's a fantastic player I, I still believe Joe will get 22-23 test hundreds um, with a way you know, the, he's got that much le- long left in his in his career but in one day cricket he's been valuable with a ball um, I wouldn't say there's been a lot of pressure taken off his shoulders from the captaincy point of view he, he, st- he was still smiling when he was you know when his team were losing in the, he, he had that relaxed mentality you know, he's playing in a team which have got firepower now and options with the ball from a, from an ODI to the test to the test uh, arena, and I just think he's he always enjoys his cricket. I just think he's he doesn't seem to get he doesn't seem to have these gears where he goes from one to four quickly, goes one straight to four. He just goes through the gears and he does that in a test match, but he also does that in one day cricket. And he's he, he, he can play twenty twenty, and he's another one that will be up for the IPL and in the, in the auction soon. But I. Yeah, I've never been worried about Joe Root. Never been worried about Joe Root um, in his performance or you know the, the person as a as a cricketer. Should he uh, should he be playing IPL cricket though? Yeah, of course he should. Why not? I don't see. I don't. I, I don't believe anybody should turn the IPL down if they get a chance. I understood why he did it last year because you know. I, I'm sitting here with four children, four wonderful children, and I, yeah, you know, I, I missed the birth of my second one, uh, Abby, which was was something that, in hindsight, is the worst thing I'd, I feel as though I'd ever done. You know, Joe Joe turned the IPL down to to start a family and to get a, a balance of his life. You know, fair play to him, but he's now got to pay for that family and pay for that life and get himself in a position from a financial point of view, and he's got to look at that. And the man, the man that's leading this show knows. Too right, in it, Goffy. Cash is king. He's got to go and maximise, hasn't he? 
Well, he has. I mean, I was same as you. I missed the birth of my uh, child as well, my first one, uh, which was even harder. Where you missed the, missed the, and I would have missed the second one if I weren't lucky enough to get an injury. Um, <laughs> so I'd have missed both of mine. But uh, I, I agree with you. Um, but I think my my biggest worry is the ones who just go and do it every year. Like the players, uh, and we'll never know if they're good enough. The players mm. like the Butlers, the players like Roy. Um, Ailes, but they're playing that many T20 tournaments around the world now. They're not playing enough red ball to get picked mm-hmm. for City. True. And I think they've, I think they're quite comfortable with that choice as well. Um, I think they've got to that point. Butler doesn't want to play Test cricket. No. He's quite happy to be earning yeah. two or three million quid going around the world playing uh, T20 cricket. Uh, Harmy, uh, we're going to let you go. Can I just ask you a quick question though? Yeah. Are you watching the Big Bash? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So am I. But I'm watching it with the sound down. Oh, sorry. I. <laughs> I've got, got my headphones on, so I can't. I, I, I can't. I can't hear it. So if you can hear it, well, I do apologise. Well, you're actually. No, you're, it's not. It's, it's the, the other way around. I'm actually watching it with the sound down because I can't hear because I've got headphones on. You're watching it with the sound <laughs> up because you can hear it through my microphone. I apologise. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. But I was just watched a bit of fielding and then I heard the TV at your end and on the, I'm on the other side of the world. So I'm, I'm actually you, watching the TV and I can see Guffy on my screen. It's, a, it's an elephant, isn't it? <laughs> no, I'm a rhino, mate. I'm, yeah, a, I'm rhino, a rhino. Yeah. <laughs> because you're strong as an ox. <laughs> oh, me, we'll speak to you next week. Really appreciate your time as ever. Cheers, boys. This, uh, Steve Harmison uh, there. Uh, fascinating stuff and uh, plenty more fascinating stuff to come. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Now, all the talk, uh, not just on this show, but across uh, most cricket uh, outlets, has been about the Ashes, it's been about England, Australia, but. at the same time, Goffey, the uh, the world's best test teams, India and South Africa, have been uh, playing out uh, a phenomenal test series, which unfortunately is about to come to an end with the third and final test. But uh, South Africa taking uh, the series 2-0 so far, the return of Dale Steyn for one test only, uh, and South Africa uh, mm-hmm. producing some, some fantastic cricket all, along the way. Yep, I've watched a bit of this series, uh, John, and it's it's been an interesting one. Uh, the pictures have been lively, um, as expected when you're playing against India. This is one of the criticisms I'm talking about, is but teams are preparing pitches, uh, obviously, to get results as quick as possible. And both of them have been uh, quite juicy and nice to bowl on. Um, there's been... India have no criticism whatsoever the way to bowl. They've taken 40 wickets in the series so far in two tests. But they just can't get enough runs. South Africa won the first test by 72 runs. That were in Cape Town. The second test in Centurion, which is known um, to carry and have a bit of pace. South Africa won by 135 runs. And guess what they've got coming next? Joburg, which is more likely to be the best of the three. Uh, That can, um, if you leave grass on it, it can go through as well. Um, So... There's been a few question marks on, 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 on India, the way they've played. If you look at um, the way they've gone about the series so far, you've got Coley got 153 at Centurion, showing us all why he's one of the best three players in the world, without a doubt. 153 at Centurion. Uh, Panja, um, who's the young all-rounder, he got 93 mm. in Cape Town. Yeah, but a couple of wickets as well. Yeah, a couple of wickets as well. But you'll not believe this, John. No one else in two test matches has passed 50. 
for India. I, I saw that Pajara got run out twice in the same test. That, I bet that must have been an interesting uh, yeah. moment in the dressing room when he saw his captain. Well, of, of course. Um, and uh, but the one sh- surprise for everyone, Wright Sharma, who's been absolutely brilliant, hasn't he, in one-day cricket, uh, scoring these yeah, big doubles. Yeah, he's never done it at tests, though. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he got a start. I think he got 40-odd at Centurion um, uh, before he was dismissed. But they've left out Rahan. Rahan and 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 Rahan yeah. and and he's a fantastic player, gutsy. He can dig in, and I've been surprised he's not playing. I expect him to play um, in Joburg. I think it starts in a couple of days' uh, mm. time. But South Africa, well, let let's give him some credit here. Otis Gibson's got yeah. into uh, that team. He's made them better already. He's done a fantastic job. Well, you you know you know how he made them. Well, there's two two things that made them better immediately. First, the return of A.B. de Villiers, which is a given. He's had a, a year out and he's come back refreshed mm. and, you know, and he's playing some sumptuous cricket. But the thing for me, and this has been the weakness of South Africa, who I think traditionally are a very defensive-minded team, and it's cost them at times. Yeah. And it cost them last year. Then the reason it cost them is because they went in with three fast bowlers, okay? And when Philander broke down, it meant that England just had to see off uh, Morkel and whoever was at the other end Rabada. and then they could cash in Rabada, that's right now uh, Gibson's come in and he's gone enough of this we're going in with four fast men and we're leaving it to the batsmen to, to get enough runs and it's made them so much more of a potent strike force and they've been able to take the wickets that they couldn't take when they were just going in with three yeah and, and the good thing is is that they've got a left arm spinner who's actually decent as well yeah um, Maharaj yeah, yeah Maharaj he's, he's actually decent he's uh, got, mm. got a few wickets uh, throughout the year um, 2017 and he started off 2018 at Centurion he bowled okay uh, bowled well again so he's another player who's who's pretty good they gave a de- debut to um, Ngidi, um, who was absolutely yeah. fantastic. MOM, 6 for 39 he got, the oh, Centurion. No? Unbelievable. Ball with some fire. Uh, got a couple of big names out, obviously, in that. He skittled them in the second innings, and that's what changed it. They were in with it. In fact, this Test Series has been closer than people think. I know it's by 135 and by 72, yeah. and it doesn't look it. But India... Actually, the toss been in with important. A sh- the toss has been important, but India have been in with a shout. They were bowled out, weren't they, for 151 in the second yeah. innings, um, in the second test, and they were bowled out for 135 in the in Cape Town in the first test. Listen, it's a massive match this because Corley, every series he's played as captain, I think he's won, and now he's gone to South Africa and the two 0 down. We want to play the camp, the camp yeah. win the series. So he's coming for a bit of criticism, as you would expect from the Indian media, because they expect teams to win but they're just showing again it's an away team going away from home a good test team going away from home and finding it difficult when the pitchers suit the opposition um, but they're getting better at it India I'll give them credit for this they've now got a bowling lineup who can compete Panjir the all rounder Shami Sharma and Bumrah who are all decent bowlers and when they come to England that's a decent attack to have. They've just got to get somehow. They need more than Coley to get the runs on the board. Well, let's hear from Coley. Uh, dismissing talk his side aren't good enough away from home. Look, we have to believe that we are, you know, the best side. Because uh, even when we came here, if you don't have the belief that you can win the series here, there's no point coming here. You know, we've not come here to just to participate. And uh, answering your question, sir, how many times did South Africa come into the game in India? Coming close to winning games in India. Can you count? 
but you know we are not complaining about Cape Town either. The game was finished in three days. One was a washout. So look, we are not complaining about pitches. We are not complaining about conditions. We have come here to play. Um, as I said, we've had equal opportunities to win uh, in both the games, and that's the positive we can take out of this. But I'm not sitting here comforting my guys. So I don't know what you're listening to, but uh, I'm asking everyone to be hard on themselves. On themselves. Uh, there's Vera Coley, and he had another bust up as well with uh, one of our guys. Uh, Chaitan Narula, who is part of our commentary team uh, for the uh, Champions <laughs> Trophy as well, a bit later on. The pressure certainly telling. But, you know, India, uh, we talk about teams not winning away, right? Do you know how many warm-up games India had? None. They did not have a well, single warm-up game. Well, Can you believe that? Well, I can't believe it. And uh, this is one of the issues now. The the calendar's that busy and with, with the T20 tournaments fitted in between. And that's my biggest criticism. Planning now, going to Australia. I remember we played four first-class matches before the first test. And it puts you in good stead. Yeah. Um, it gets you playing the best cricket you can do. You, you still might get beat. You still might come up against, and we did. You might come up against better cricketers, but at least you knew the team you picked come the first test was on your performances in them first four first-class matches. You had to earn your stripes, and um, I don't think you have to do that now. The test teams pick before you get there. Um. This is a big year for Coley, isn't it? Because you, you just mentioned there one of the big three, Coley, Root, Smith. I'd throw Williamson in there as well. If he yeah. was allowed to play <clears throat> a bit more test cricket, uh, I think his uh, his figures more than stack up to those other three. But uh, Coley uh, has taken his India side to South Africa. They've lost. He's taken him to England later in 2018. Last time he was in England, I think he averaged 14. And then they go to Australia. India... Oh have never won a series in Australia. Now, we've heard a lot of good about Kohli over the last two years, um, but this could be a very, well, this could be the defining year for Virat Kohli as a test player for India. Well, we'll know if he's still averaging the av- huge average he's averaging now, um, he will go down. as great. I think he's got 20-odd hundreds already. He could end mm. up by all those three Most series. against Sri Lanka. Yeah, he could be stuck on 21, or he could have 26. And if he's got yep. 26, he's had a great year, and he'll be go down as one of the greatest ever already for someone so young. I think he is a fantastic player. Um, I think some of his Indian teammates need to stand up and be counted when they're outside of India. Uh, he's been let down by a few of the players in South Africa. For no one to pass 50 other than Panya, who's one of the younger players, an all-rounder, who, who, who basically that game, he chanced his arm, didn't he? If we're going to be honest about it. He played a few shots. Yeah. But for no one else to pass 50 in two tests, that's pretty average. Pretty average. Um, uh, we've still got another uh, section of the show to come on uh, Darren Goss Cricket Week. We're going to be looking ahead to the last two ODIs and uh, and just talking about uh, squad rotation. Surely England are going to bring in some of those guys that have been carrying drinks for the last uh, week or so. Uh, you're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2 with me, John Norman, and uh, Darren Goff. Uh, so, Goffy, two ODIs to come. England 3 0 up, two to play. Uh, before we talk about that, the amount of people on Talk Sport, uh, when I was doing reports for those fourth and fifth test matches, 
um, oh, why do you bother playing them? The series has been done. You know, you shouldn't have to play these dead rubbers. It's funny how no one says that when England are 3-0 up. It's only when they're 3-0 down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now, now, of course, it's a chance for us to enjoy watching England play. But also, you'd have to say, enjoy watching a couple of players come into the side and seeing if they can stake a claim. But... You know, listening to Owen Morgan at the end of that third ODI, speaking to Mark Nicholas in a very natty pink jacket, I might add. Um, strongest squad, strongest team, he was saying. he's. Uh, it, it doesn't look like England are going to chop and change. Plunkett will have to be replaced. But if you're listening to the captain, it's just going to be the same team for those five, for the fourth and fifth games. And I'm not sure whether that's the right way of, uh, of going about things. I would definitely rest Wood for one of them. Um, uh, what we're seeing now is why he's so important to England um, and we need him fit now I would rest him probably the next one um, and let him play the last one again before they play the T20 series which is part of as well so I think he'll be rested in one of them or I'd be disappointed if he's not rested in one I know he's missed a lot of games but he's coming back from some serious injuries and we've got to manage him well um, he won't want to miss too many, but I think resting in one. We now know Plunkett's probably going to miss the last few games. Uh, mm. So if somebody gets an opportunity there. It's either going to be well, probably you've... Willie or uh, Tom Curran. Um, yeah. I would probably go for uh, Tom Curran because it's Wokes and Wood that open the ball and you need someone first change. So I think it's going yeah. to probably go so you've got Tom Jake, There's Jake Ball, Tom Curran and David Willie. So, you know, you, you go in with a squad. You may as well utilise a couple of them. Well, you need to have a look. We've won the series. And in Australia, yeah, we've been the better team by far, but they've experimented all the way through. They're still experimenting Mm. for their best side. And like I said, there's going to be four or five players who are not even in their World Cup squad. I guarantee on that. Um, They've got plenty of good players in Australia who have not even been in their squad yet. I think Lyon will come into it. I actually think Maxwell will come into it. And I keep forgetting the batsman's name from Brisbane. Bats at three, smacks it all over the shop. Bats with McCullum. He was in the squad. He Lynn. pulled out injury. Lynn. Oh my word! You put him in there at three. Yeah. Um, so you've got, got Warner, Finch, and Lynn. Yeah. Well, that's me. They're going to have Lynn in there, aren't they? And then Maxwell's yeah. going to come in and probably bat at five. They've so many uh, different options um, on the batting and bowling, and it'll be interesting who makes their final cut down the line. Um, but with England, I think we do need to have a look at some of the other players. Billing just goes around uh, well, carrying Billings out Billings is a strange one, isn't he? I mean, you know, we spoke about him with Rob Key, right? Going to be the new Kent captain. Uh, and you were of the you quite rightly put forward the notion, hang on, he's going to be here with England. But I'm having a look at his record here. Now, he made his debut for England in 2015, OK? Near on three years ago. Do you know how many games he's actually played? ODI cricket for England in that time? Five. Well, he's played 13 and he's batted in 10 of them. You know, and England have played a lot of one-day cricket in the last two and a half years. He, he's, he's, a straight, he's almost a phenomenon, you know. He's the best, uh, best drinks carrier probably England have ever had. But yeah, there's a danger a there, isn't there? Yeah, he because gets, you're, he's he get, going to get called upon... At a, at a really important moment and if he doesn't play in those games those fourth and fifth games when there's, the series is gone you know he's going to come in undercooked well it's an interesting one I think um, like, I remember um, and I talked about this uh, Franksy um, when he got picked for England at Knotts Trent Bridge they asked me to rest that game in a one day game against the West Indies I said you've no chance Resting and not playing in a one-day game against... I said, no chance, I'm playing. And Andy Caddick said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll rest. 
And I couldn't believe that, mate. Choosing to rest um, in a series. We didn't play the games they play now, so now you, you might have to have the odd game off. But which batter is going to say, yeah, I'll have a game off? No way. No, no, no. Bairstow's not going to want um, a game off to give Billings an opportunity. What if Billings comes in and gets 100? The competition is so high now for a mm. place in that side. No player wants to give his place up. That's how it's a bit... It's, it's what you want, isn't it? I mean, that is yeah. absolutely... The, the the position you want to want to find yourself in, but you know, as we saw in the Champions Trophy last year, you know, Chris Wokes pulls out in in the first game, side strain, you know, or you know what's happened with Ben Stokes, something like that. You need you need to have players that come into that side who have played a bank of games, so they can just slot in. Otherwise, it's all well and good having these wonderful players, but if if they haven't played for England. You're, you're almost asking it up for for you're almost asking for trouble. Um, the Aussies, actually, let's hear from Steve Smith because, uh, as you say, they have chopped and changed, and they've been chopping and changing for the best part of a year, uh, and it's worked because it's kept their boulders fresh for the Ashes. But now they're a little bit sure unsure of where they're going. Uh, let's hear what Steve S- Smith said about the talent in that Australia side. Oh, there were obviously some some good players that um, that retired, but look, I, I think there's still plenty of um, good cricketers in the in the sheds in there, and and plenty of good cricketers around the country as well. Um, you know, we just haven't been able to put the results together. I think um, someone said out there just now with I think five out of our last 18 games we've won. I think. Um, and that's just not good enough. Um, we've got to start trying to find ways to, to get over the line. Um, you know, looking at this game, I think the the first 44 overs or thereabouts was really good. Um, and then Joss obviously played um, particularly well at the end, and, and Wokesy played well too, but I don't think we executed well. Um, you know, we probably just needed to bowl some, some good balls at the top of the stumps and, you know, try and get them swinging across the line or... You know, different things like that. We we bowled too full or too short, and um, you know, got got hurt. Um, first off, uh, I've just seen a most ridiculous catch in the uh, in the big bash. So uh, take a look at that. The uh, strikers against the renegades. Um, I've been watching a lot of big bash cricket because um, I'm down under, and it uh, it certainly works uh, time wise. Goffy, I can't understand. A, how Glenn Maxwell is in the side, and B, Nathan Lyon. You know, they're playing this yeah. young kid, Zampa. He's a, he's a nice little bowler. He's played in the IPO. He's a good guy. But Nathan Lyon is absolutely... I know they're different spinners. Absolutely on top of his game. It's the trendy and, pick. It's the trendy pick. He plays for some of the tournaments around the world. He plays in Dubai, in the PSL. He plays in the IPL. It's the trendy pick, isn't it? And that's what happens. And, and when you've got Nathan Lyon, who absolutely destroyed England throughout the summer and had the better of him, and then he's not playing in it. It's a, it's a weird pick. Um, Maxwell, Lynn, uh, Darcy Short, who's been very impressive. You'll know him, John, uh, plays uh, mm. Tazzy, been very, very impressive yeah. in um, the T20. I think T20. he just had a call-up. Yeah, he? he got the call-up for the call T20 up. squad, so yeah. we're, we're going to get to see him. And I think Maxwell's back as well, which is a... a like you say, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's one of the most talented batsmen. Uh, and he can well, there's, ball there's obviously the something fun, funky going on there because there was this big, there was this big problem between Maxwell and Matthew Wade. They both played for Victoria, and Wade was playing ahead of him in the batting, and Maxwell wasn't happy about it. And then Steve Smith was critical of Maxwell for mentioning it. But look, 
Six months ago, I was watching Maxwell score a century in India for Australia. I know. And now we can't even get into the ODI side. So there's there's obviously something behind the scenes. But you've got to pick your best side. And it doesn't seem to me that Australia are. No, even in the one days, I think Carey's um, coming to the T20 side. He's another one. We saw him in the one day when Payne was ill. I think he's a fantastic cricketer. He's going to be in the T20 instead of Payne. Um, and, and I think you're going to see, you'll be shocked. When Australia do come for the World Cup, there's going to be so many changes to that side, that their team that's played in the last three one-dayers. And, and that's why it's hard to judge them at this moment. I think England are just about done. You've got Stokes' possibility, you've got, um, and you've got Billings' possibility who could come into it. And that's about it. That's about it. We're, we're done. If, if our players stay fit, that's our squad. Obviously, Stokes as well. Um, but Australia, they've still got a lot of planning to do for the World Cup. Oh, how good is it to be speaking about England uh, being done and uh, Australia with a lot of work to do? Uh, this time next week, Goffey, we are going to be looking back at those two ODIs and ahead to the tri-series between Australia and New Zealand. And let me tell you, New Zealand have... Uh, I think they've gone 13 matches across all formats without losing... Uh, they've swept Pakistan 5-0 in the ODIs, um, steamrolled them in the first T20, and uh, and some would say that this Australian series is a bit of a warm-up for what could be uh, a really, really good series. But that's all for next week. Um, and, of course, this time next week, we'll know who won between Fulham and Barnsley. Yeah, we will do. Can't wait for that one. Brilliant. On. Well, uh, enjoy your week with uh, with uh, Adrian on drive. And uh, this time next week, 8 till, ta- eight till 10, Talk Sport 2. Uh, as it will be throughout the year, it's Darren Goff's Cricket Week. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 